0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Then Jesus asked a million dollar question. He said, who do you say that I am? First he asked, who do men say that I am? And now he's saying, who do you say that I am? That's the million dollar question because it's the most important question. He doesn't say, who does the preacher say that I am? Or who does your grandma say that I am? Or who does your grandpa or your nana or your pappy say that I am? He says, who do you say that I am? That is the most important question. I don't care if you're 18 or 80. The most important thing is that you have to know Jesus for yourself. I'll wait while you clap your hands there. (laughs) Nobody's getting to heaven on somebody else's coattails. Uh, Well, my, my, my parents were preachers and evangelists all my life. I brought up in church all my life. Do you know Jesus? Just because you was brought up in church does not make you a Christian. No more than if I stand in the barn barn makes me a horse. (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) Amen. You got to know Jesus for yourself. You have to take Jesus in your heart for yourself. Even during the baby dedication. You notice I pray for that little baby to one day accept Jesus as Lord and Savior for himself. Because every man will stand on their own merit when they stand before God. So the big question is, the million-dollar question is, who do you say that I am? Well, it was Peter, you know the story, who piped up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the Christos, the anointed one. And notice he said, you are the one and only son of the living God. You're the Messiah, the anointed one. And not only that, but there's no other son of the living God. And not only that, but there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And not only that, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no man comes to the father, but by him. Peter gave a very, very theological statement about Jesus. And keep in mind, Peter didn't go to seminary. Peter didn't go to Bible college. People, Peter didn't take any online Bible courses. Say amen. 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 He didn't have his MDiv, Masters in Divinity. Peter was an unlearned, untrained, uneducated, smelly old fisherman who hadn't gone to seminary. And yet Jesus, he gives Jesus this incredibly deep spiritual theological answer. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And you know what? It's a probably a good idea that he didn't go to cemetery. I mean, seminary, because some seminaries are now cemeteries. Do you know it is hard to find a good seminary now that is teaching the, the the clear counsel of the word of God? That's teaching you truth. That's not denying the virgin birth. You know some seminaries deny the virgin birth. If you deny the virgin birth, I'm sorry, you're not a Christian. I'm preaching to you, okay. I'm preaching to her, okay. You're not a Christian if you don't believe in the infallible, inerrant word of God, that every word in this book is true, it is right, that God is a judge of all, and that he is righteous in his judgments. If you don't believe in the resurrection, the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus, you cannot be a Christian. These are foundational things. It's very hard to find a seminary that will teach you those things. I'm glad Peter didn't go to seminary because Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And the seminary trained Peter would have said, why you are the eschatological manifestation of the imagno dei. And Jesus would have said, what you say? You call me what? One slap you upside your head. What? I'm what? You see the seminary trained Peter would have said that, but the Peter that we know from the Bible spoke from his heart. You are the son of the living God. That's not a textbook answer. That is an answer from the heart. Somebody say amen. You are the anointed one. I'm waiting while you clap your hands there. I'm waiting. Absolutely. You are the anointed one. You are God. Okay, let's move forward. Talking about Peter. Remember, it was Peter who stepped up and preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people were added to the church that very day. It was Peter and John who saw the man begging for alms and said, Acts chapter 3, write it down, Acts three six seven. silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, and they took the man by the right hand. I love how specific the Bible is. They took the man by the right hand, lifting him up, And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. It was Peter who stepped out of the boat and walked on water. It was Peter who took the message of the gospel and the Holy Spirit to the house of Cornelius. And that's how the gospel got to the Gentiles. Do you understand if Peter had not taken the gospel to this man's house named Cornelius, who was a Gentile, we would not be saved. Am I right about it? Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, write it down. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. Somebody say amen. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Fast forward to verse 44 and 45 of the same chapter. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Listen, when Peter went to Cornelius house, look at me. When Peter went to Cornelius house, who was a Gentile, the word whosoever took on a whole different meaning. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That God, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word whosoever took on a totally different meaning. You've got to understand that Peter, because he obeyed God, the gospel became inclusive, not exclusive to the rest of the world. And not only to the Jewish people, but to all men everywhere. Listen, without that little scene at Cornelius house, there might not have been salvation for you and me. Salvation may never have come. Perhaps you never thought of it that way. But salvation would never have come to the Gentile world had Peter not gone to the house of Cornelius. And that is why, listen to me, very important, very key. That is why Jesus wanted to restore and recommission Peter. Because Jesus was going to use him in ministry. So Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And although at first glance the question sounds the same. It's really different. Look at verse 15. Look at verse 15. The first time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Jesus is using the word. Now, you know, in the Greek language, they have four words for love. Agape or agapeo, eros, phileo, and storge. So Jesus is using the word, Peter, do you love me? Jesus is saying, Peter, do you agape me? Some people say agapeo. Do you agape me? Agape is the highest kind of love, the greatest kind of love, the pure love, divine love, a love that only comes from God. Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me with a God kind of love? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know, I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now, when Peter said, listen, yes, Lord, I love you. Peter used a different word for love. He used the word, write it down, phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O, phileo. Phileo is a brotherly love. We have the word Philadelphia or philanthropy or philanthropic. Peter couldn't and wouldn't use the word agape because he knew his life would match up with the Lord. I agape you. He knew his life would match up with that. So you got to give him credit. That he's being honest. Look at verse 16. The second time Jesus asked Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Jesus said, changes the question. Notice he doesn't say more than these. Jesus says, okay, Peter, do you even love me like a brother? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know, I phileo you. I am fond of you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. The lambs are full grown. Okay, Peter, then govern and shepherd and care for my sheep. Look at verse 17. The third time Jesus said, Peter, do you love me like a brother?" And this time, Peter is grieved because he asked him a third time. Peter said, Jesus, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, why was Peter grieved? You might have thought he would say, well, thank you, Lord, for asking me three times. Thank you, Lord, for giving me three shots to get back where I should be. Peter is grieved. This word grieved, got your pen? It means aching, aching. Grieved means aching. Peter was aching and hurt. Why? Because Jesus changed the word. The third time, do you love me? Jesus didn't say agape. Jesus said, Peter, do you even phileo me? Peter is grieved because Jesus is challenging Peter's phileo. Jesus said, Peter, you said two times you really have affection for me. Peter, I'm asking you, do you really even have affection for me? Jesus says, Peter, this affection you say you have for me, can it be verified by your life? And that hurt because you remember Peter said, even if I have to die, I will not deny you. Jesus said, Peter, even your love that you say you have is limited and that is evidenced by your life. Now listen, if you've been asleep, wake up right here. There are a lot of people like Peter. If somebody walked up to them and said, do you love Jesus? They call themselves a Christian. They say, of course I do. I love Jesus. But if you ask them, do you love him with total, complete agape love? If they're honest, they might have to say no, but I like him a lot. Listen, just like Jesus doesn't want priority and he wants preeminence, Jesus doesn't want you to like him. He wants you to love him supremely. He doesn't want you to like him. He wants you to love him supremely. And for some people, even Christians, Jesus might be looking at you now saying, I didn't even know you liked me because your life doesn't show it. Even if you really liked me, what would you do? You would feed my lambs or you would feed my sheep or you would serve my people. Last week, Pastor Ted, if you were with us last week, Pastor Ted, the children's ministry pastor um, came up and shared with you about the children's ministry need. And by the way, um, from that uh, sharing from pastor Ted, 59 people signed up to be involved in the children's ministry. I forgot to tell him in first and second service, 59 people. That's a lot. And that's what we need. But he came up and he shared. And I really liked the way that he shared because he didn't only talk about the children's ministry. If you were here, he talked about the ministry as a whole that he even said, just that, that if you love the Lord, then you ought to serve the Lord. If you love God, you ought to serve God. Love always goes before feeding. First you love Jesus, then you feed his sheep. Love for the Savior is essential for service to the Savior. And I can tell people who love Jesus. And I can tell people who like Jesus. I can tell people who don't know if they like or love Jesus. It's real simple. People who love him, are about the father's business. People who think they love him, they're here on Sunday for the most part. Don't get me wrong. People say they love Jesus, and maybe they do, but their love is suspect if it isn't evidenced by service. We as Christians are called to serve one another. Here at Calvary Chapel, people come come here, we invite them to sit for three, four months, six months maybe, you will notice nobody comes up to you the first, second week you're in church and ask you to serve somewhere. I've heard of stories like this where you're the first Sunday there and it's your, just your first Sunday. And people go, hey, you know, we need somebody in children's ministry. Can you serve? You go, I am just a visitor here. I live in Washington. Oh, well, next. You know, we, need, we, we don't need service like that. We want people to come, sit, sit, Get fed, learn, learn to love the Savior, and then you serve. Because your service will come out of your love for Jesus, not out of compulsion, not because you feel guilty, but because you love the Lord. That's where your service will come from. So if you love Jesus, it'll be evidenced by your service. So when Jesus said this to Peter, Peter was hurt. And it should have hurt. And I hope maybe... Pointing this out this morning, it hurts all of us. Because Proverbs 27 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In other words, if somebody loves you, they will tell you the truth. Y'all need to say a better amen than that. If somebody loves you, they'll tell you the truth. If they don't love you, they won't tell you the truth. Sometimes you have to say something very hard to someone, but it's the truth and they need to hear it. And they shouldn't get offended by that. They should thank you because they're, they're telling you, I am your friend. And because I'm your friend, I'm telling you the truth. And when the pastor is sharing something from the pulpit and he's sharing truth with you, don't go get offended. Amen. Don't go get offended. Take that if it's truth and use that truth to correct whatever it is. I hope that what I'm saying is causing some of you to to, to hurt because I love you and because I'm your pastor. And as your pastor, I need to tell you the truth. Your love for Jesus is evident by your service to Jesus. You can say, Jesus, I love you till the cows come home. But until you serve the Lord, until you get in there and begin to serve God, nobody will know it and neither will God. Thank you. I want you to be able to say, Lord, I agape you. Not Lord, I phileo you. Lord, I agape you. Jesus said, if you love me, then feed my sheep. I mentioned last week, God is into sheep. God is into his sheep. God loves his people. And this is an exhortation to every minister, pastor, and teacher in this room feed the flock of God, feed them the word of God. Jesus said, Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, take care of my sheep. Why? Because God is serious. Listen to me, please. Listen, God is serious about his sheep. God loves his people, and God is serious about his sheep. In Jeremiah, The nation had turned away from the Lord and the leadership of the nation had fallen away. In Jeremiah 3.15, write it down. God said, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Look at what he says to the shepherds of Israel in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Verse 8 through 11. As I live, same chapter, says the Lord God. Surely, because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock. But the shepherds did what, saints? Fed themselves. Are y'all reading the screens? The shepherds did what? Fed themselves and they did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hand and I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep and the shepherds shall feed themselves. What? No more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths that they may no longer be food for them. God is into his people. God is into his sheep. And Peter, if you love me, Jesus said, then you'll feed my sheep. And Peter, listen, never forgot this. He never did. He wrote about it, as a matter of fact, in his epistles, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. First Peter, chapter five, verse one through three. The elders who are come among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers and not by compulsion. You don't drive the sheep. You lead the sheep. God doesn't drive us. He leads us to green pastures. Uh, Two people say, Amen. He leads us. He doesn't drive us. He doesn't force us. He doesn't drag us by our heels or our hooves. He doesn't drag us. He doesn't force us. He leads us not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest, not a hireling, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those who entrusted to you. But pastor, be an example to the flock. Listen, your pastor should be an example to the flock. I should be an example to you of how to live, of how to walk with God, of how to pray, of how to seek the Lord, of how to serve the Lord. How do you serve the Lord? Faithfully, you serve the Lord. That's how you serve the Lord. Faithfully, I should be an example. If you're just visiting here and you go to another church, your pastor should be an example. That's what the Bible says to you. To show you how to love and serve God and be faithful to God. That's what a shepherd does. Peter warns the preacher of laziness, greed, and popishness. Popishness. Lording over people. Don't be in ministry for money or power. My pastor used to say there's no big eyes and little U's. Everybody's the same. Right? No big eyes and little U's. Everybody's the same. This pulpit is just an office of the body of Christ. I don't know why people want to preach in a pulpit. People look at the pulpit. I call it pulpit envy. People look at the pulpit like, oh, I could do that. You know, he only preached one time. He only works one day a week. I can do that. I'm like, if you think I work one day a week, you are delusional, okay? You need medication. Like, oh, that preacher only works one day a week. and he gets up there and just talks to some people. I can do that. Really? You want to try? Come now. <laughs> you want to try? No, you can't do that. This is a calling. This is an anointing The God has to anoint you to do this. You can't even go to school to learn how to do this. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot. I, uh, we all know preachers who have gone to seminary and to learn to preach and they just can't do it. You can't do it. Why? Because it takes anointing from the Holy Spirit. It takes anointing. God grew this church. You know, I'll tell you my story. i got a 12th grade education. I'm a street kid from Philadelphia. Started doing drugs when I was nine years old, for those of you that don't know. Started doing drugs when I was nine years old. I didn't stop doing drugs until I was 21 years old and gave my life to Jesus Christ. I, was, I grew up on the streets. I grew up in the hood, y'all. Y'all know nothing about that. I grew up in the hood. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to seminary. We didn't have money to, to, to go to college or, or seminary. I went in the Navy. I got saved. And when I got saved, God anointed me. I found out later, many years later, several years later, that God called me to preach. And I didn't even know that. I just started teaching a Bible study, and it just kept growing. I started with one, one guy, Anthony Ruby. Never forget Anthony Ruby. He was an E six, and I was an E nothing. And I and I and, and, and I actually uh, I, I tell you this quick. I, I, we, I we my wife and I went to their home for dinner. I'll never forget we had spaghetti. I don't know why I remember that. We had spaghetti. We went to their house for, for dinner, and when we sat on the couch after dinner and had some coffee, and we were talking. My wife and I were talking to them about the Lord, and then we got to the part where we said, "Would you like to accept the Lord?" And they said, yes. Oh, I didn't know what to do. Because every person I had asked that before, they said no. So (laughs) not now or I got things to do or whatever excuse. But they said, yes, I didn't know what to do. So I thought, well, they said, I I said, would you like to serve the Lord? They said, "Uh, yes, we would. I said, are you sure? (laughs) I'm like, now you know, this means hardship. (laughs) Now I'm trying to talk him out of it because I don't know what to do. I said, well, uh, maybe we'll just uh, pray. Yeah, yeah, let's pray. We can pray. You can't never go wrong with prayer, okay? If you don't know what to do, just pray. So you can't go wrong with prayer. So we prayed together. And then the Lord showed me that if you let him to the Lord, then it's your responsibility to disciple him. God showed me that. It just came to me in that way. And I started a Bible study on the grass outside of our office at Camp Pendleton, out in California, and we were studying the Bible, and then one person saw us studying the Bible, and they said, "Hey, can I come?" I said, "Sure, Why not?" So they started coming. This is at lunchtime. Now we can do whatever we want at lunchtime, not on uh, Navy hours, uh, lunchtime. And these uh, kind of come like, "Sure." So he said, can he come? Then another person said, can he come? Then another person invited another person, another person invited another person. Before you know it, we had like 60 to 100 people out there on the grass, and I'm teaching the Bible.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Kerry, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.